0: From his first job flipping burgers at McDonald's and delivering the Washington Post, Craig Willett counts only one and a half years of his adult life working for someone else. Welcome to the Biz Sherpa Podcast with your host, Craig Willett, founder of several multi million dollar businesses and trusted advisor to other business owners. He's giving back to help business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs achieve fulfillment, enhance their lives, and create enduring wealth. The Biz Sherpa. This is Craig Willett, The Biz Sherpa. Welcome to The Sherpa's Den today. I'm grateful you could join me. I'm excited to talk to you about how to fund your startup. You know, there's a big secret and I'll give it to you at the end. Many people wonder where they're gonna get the money to start a business. And I think something to keep money in perspective is a quote that I have from Ayn Rand. He said, money is only a tool. It will take you where you wish but it will not replace you as the driver. Think about that. Money will take you where you wish, but it won't replace you as the driver. In other words, you're the most important factor in starting your business. And we'll talk about that today and see what the secrets are to funding your business. You know, recently I, I released an episode about how do you know if you're ready to start your business? And I'd really like you to consider the emotional support from friends and family that I talked about. I think you'll find that that emotional support will mean more to you even than the money part of starting a business. There's so many ups and downs and so many uncertainties. It's really navigating uncertain territory. You know, there's no substitute though for great ideas in starting a business. Henry Ford said, it's not the employer who pays the wages. Employers only handle the money. It's the customer who pays the wages. Think about that. It's your customers who are the most important. They are the ones that do pay the wages. So the sooner you can get to interacting with your customers and selling products or services, the sooner you'll be generating the cash flow that you need. And we often think that we have to have all the money, but quite frankly, the better job we do of selling The better job we do of solving a problem for our customers, the better we will do at making money. I found that to be true. You really need to figure out what that is. Next time you're really in trouble and have a problem to solve, think about how much you might be willing to pay to have somebody get you out of the jam. And that might help you in determining what your pricing is, but keep in mind, it's getting to the revenue generating portion of your business that's most important. And the sooner you get there, the better and at the least cost. We'll talk about more about that today. Always remember every day as you go to work why you started the business. Why am I here? What problem am I solving? Who are my customers? What's on their minds? How can I make their lives better? If you can enhance someone's life and make it better, you will have a product or service that will be in demand and then you can charge for it and start receiving payment sooner. But be sure you have yourself emotionally prepared for this journey. Norman Vincent Peale once said, empty pockets never held anyone back. Only empty hearts and empty heads can do that. So think about it. What is your passion? Why are you doing this? And as you do that, you'll see that you'll be able to find ways to pay for your business. Because if you have a passion for it, You'll need that passion to convince partners or friends and family or banks or others to invest in you. In fact, even your suppliers. If they can tell you're passionate and that you have a product or service that really solves a problem, they'll get behind you and give you terms that will stretch out to allow you to start to cash flow your business. So take a look at that and fill your heart with those dreams. You know, I think it's important to be able to envision that. When I was in high school, taking an advanced placement English class, which I don't know why I took it other than my friends were and somehow they let me in it. But when we had our first test, the teacher told us, all right, the first test is tomorrow. When you go home tonight, I want you to study. And then when you're done studying, turn the lights out in the room. And when you turn the lights out in the room, I want you to envision coming in, getting the test, writing your answers, and then envision coming back after it's graded and looking at the paper and envision in your mind what you got on the test. I thought, what a crazy exercise. I had to spend my time studying, but after studying it was quite tempting to turn the lights out and take a nap. Rather than take a nap, I did what he suggested, and I found that there's a great power that we can re- release in our minds, that there's great power in positivity in envisioning. It takes that in business. I envisioned that in the way that I approached my CPA clients and it worked. I envisioned it when I had a development company. I envisioned the satisfaction that my customers got in buying the buildings and running their businesses in it. And I got many thank yous for it and their businesses improved dramatically because I was able to anticipate their needs and be able to provide a product that was superior to anything else on the market that really helped their niche and I think that's what it takes is that mental creativity. You know, that doesn't mean you'll do it all right away. In fact, I doubt I got an A. In fact, I, I really doubt I got an A on that first test that I took in that advanced placement English class. But what is important is I was able to tap in and see the success. You know, when I started developing office buildings, I did it because I thought they were a great alternative for certain people who are in certain professions to own their building rather than pay rent. And I came up and trademarked the name Own For Less Than Rent. That really resonated with people, but what really helped is when we took it to the next level. Not only did we have Own For Less Than Rent, but we created professional villages, which were buildings assembled together, which was our first model anyway, but with unique uses in mind, different sizes, so that we could have doctors, dentists, orthodontists. They all had different sizes, insurance agents, CPAs, attorneys, real estate companies, title and mortgage companies as well. And it worked, they serviced the local communities and the professional village concept really took off. But it wasn't until after our second and third development that we sat down and came up with the commonalities and used our creativity to envision all of our users and the people who really should be buying in our projects. And then it really took off. We went from three to 35 over the next four years. Quite a big boom in business. Now, you know, it's important to remember that happiness is not in the possession of money, right? So your product will be selling or your service will be consumed by people out there, your customers and your clients but money shouldn't be your objective as to why you started a business. Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, "'Happiness is not the mere possession of money. "'It lies in the joy of achievement, "'in the thrill of creative effort.'" Imagine that you have an idea and that you think it will make a difference in a lot of people's lives. And when it does and they start to tell you what a difference it makes, think of the satisfaction you derive from that. That source of creativity should be the why you go to work every day that emotional reward will bring greater satisfaction than money, any amount of money ever would. I'm not saying that it doesn't take a certain amount of income to be happy and meet your basic needs, but at some point when you have sufficient for your needs, you have greater needs than what money can buy. And that's your emotional well-being. That's your physical well-being. That's who you are. When you're happy from the inside, because of who you are and what you're able to do to make a difference, then you have true happiness. And that is something money cannot buy. But money can help you get there. Remember, money is only a tool. You know, it's, so are other tools credit, credit from your suppliers. Banks lent me more than I probably ever really needed. I used to go to a loan committee on an annual basis for one of the banks that lent me money. And one time I asked them, why do you keep having me come year after year? And they said, Craig, you're one of the only clients that comes in, tells us what you're going to do. And not only does it during the coming year, but you exceed your projections. So we just want to make sure we have enough money sent aside to lend you for all the projects that you'll come up with during the year. Quite a compliment. But, you know, you have to look at how important is your resources and money can't be everything. I helped build out a company one time who, and I did this not by money because they couldn't get it. They were not credit worthy, but I worked it out with their key suppliers who if they were successful someday, stand, stood to benefit greatly and continue to supply the product that they sold and installed. And in convincing them to continue to extend credit, not money, but providing product and on extended terms and extended repayment, they were able to turn the company around, get the company to cash flow, and the benefit to the suppliers were they got to be the the key supplier for the business for many years to come. Now, money doesn't solve problems either, but solving other people's problems does produce money. Keep that in mind. Money does not solve problems, but solving other people's problems will. Go back to my premise of why you go to work every day. It's really important to remember that because as you do that, you'll find that people's happiness is great, of great value to you. But also if you're able to lift a burden and they have the resources and they need your product or service for them to be successful, just think they're willing to pay you. And it kind of goes around in a circle. You know, the key to funding your startup after you figure out the emotional and figure out what your rewards are gonna be is really to figure out how much you're gonna need. You know, nothing bothers me more than to be approached to invest in a company only to hear that the owners have no money to put into it nor do they intend to. It kind of scares me. I think everybody needs to be able to find a way to put something into it. I understand as a business owner you're gonna put your time and effort but when things are tough, it's easy to walk away if you haven't made a financial commitment as well. So it takes putting together what that is. The second thing that probably bothers me most about investing in companies is to look at their pro forma and see that the key players who are saying that they're gonna get ownership for their time and effort putting in it, want to pull a full fair market value salary in the first year or two as well. That doesn't sit well with me, nor should it with you. I think. As a business owner, you get what's left at the end of the day. Sometimes that's nothing, sometimes that's a lot. And that that doesn't mean you don't reinvest it in the business. But what I'm talking about is don't pad your expenses so much that when you go to the bank or to your investors or to friends and family to borrow from them to start your business, that they don't react the way I would have. And that is Maybe you're trying to pay yourself and reward yourself too much early on. You need to make this successful before you reap the rewards. And so be careful in what those projections are, but be accurate, be realistic about it. And if you need help, there are CPAs out there who would be happy to help you, who have maybe some industry experience and can review and give you feedback on your projections. Once you figure out what that is, then you can turn to the key source of capital to start your business. Besides the emotional capital you're gonna invest in it, besides your vision, besides your passion, besides your creativity that you've already put into this to come up with what it is you're gonna do and how you're gonna do it, now comes the time to really start and jump in with both feet. I have found in my experience through the years that the greatest source of funding a business is friends and family. Beware, because money has a strange effect on family and family relationships. Make sure that you spell out the terms and make sure you're comfortable with the amount you're asking for, that you're not putting someone else in your family at great risk to where if you're not able to pay them back, it changes their lifestyle. You'll never stop hearing about that, I promise you. But you know, the other thing, friends and family, people who believe in you. I talked to you early on in this podcast about emotional support. And I think you need to look to that. If there are people who believe in you, believe in your product, believe in your concept, believe in your passion, they're more likely to lend you the money or give you the money that you need to fill the gap starting the business so you can start to generate a return. And I think it's that type of person or group who can understand your emotional and support you emotionally. They'll also be willing to support you financially. And sometimes they may not have the financial resources and sometimes the emotional support is just good enough. You know, you may not wanna lose other people's money either, you know, and you may shy away from friends and family. And I'm just telling you, it's probably one of the best ways and one of the most common. And if that's the case, then you better save up before you start, I did. I never used friends and family's money I always used my own capital when I started a business. It made it easier for me. I just never wanted to face looking someone in the eye and say, you know that concept I came up with, it was a good idea but it didn't work and there's no way I can pay you back. That's a difficult situation to be in. You know, you have to be aware of, of how and when you start your business. I had a friend early on and a client in my CPA practice who whose wife lost her parents in a tragic car accident. As part of the um, ramifications, the insurance company of the trucking company that killed her parents gave them a large settlement, financial settlement. And while there's no replacing a loved one, there were a certain amount of capital available to them. Because they had the capital, they decided the best thing to do rather than invest it was to invest in themselves. Without having a real product or service in mind, they started shopping for ideas. And certainly there are plenty out there and people who can pitch you on concepts to give you a product or a business idea. They took the ideas. They started two businesses. Neither of them were that successful. Part of it is they didn't have the need to try to generate a return. Keep in mind, I do have a podcast about how much is enough and I think we need to look at that because sometimes we, make, we go into business just to make money and I think that's the wrong reason. There was really not a passion behind it and I say nothing against my friends because they are friends, but it wasn't the right reason to start a business and they would have been better off investing that in some stocks and bond portfolio and I know it was a sore spot with them for, for a while. You know, there's something to be said to labor. In the Bible, we read when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, God told them that they would work and by the sweat of their brow, they should eat their bread all the days of their life. That's a long time to sweat and work. But you've heard the term sweat equity. I think Adam knew what that was. I think you, when you jump in and start your business, will understand what that is too. You may sweat it out emotionally, but you also may sweat it out physically. I know there were times in my business early on where it took that in both businesses. I told you the story of painting the office building before. And if you haven't heard it, my first office, not not a building, it was a three room office. I painted it for my first month's rent and my security deposit. I used to paint houses when I was in college to pay my way through. So I had a little bit of skill and the landlord allowed me to do it. That's a form of sweat equity. You will sweat a lot because you're gonna be making the difference to make ends meet. If you think as a business owner, you're gonna experience freedom from day one, that you can come and go and do what you want, you're gonna find out that the buck's gonna stop with you, which means if there's something that has to be done, you're the one that has to get up and do it. There's, a, there's something healthy to being, to labor. There's something healthy to putting your mind to something and to laboring hard. I'm not saying you have to work 100-hour weeks, but I'm, I think it's common to see 60-hour weeks when you start a business or more. I think it's unhealthy to go much more than that, but that's for another day. Now, there are some other ways besides sweat equity, friends and family that people can turn to. And one, there are SBA loans available. They're sponsored by the government. I've talked about them in my other episodes before. They're, they're government guaranteed loans, meaning the bank will be limited in what they can lose. And usually they're limited to only 20% of the loan amount that they can lose on making a loan to a small business. Now there are requirements and there's collateral, including the equity in your home, which if you're not willing to give that up, and ask that for a government guaranteed loan, you know, pledge that as collateral, then they're gonna wonder your commitment. Back to my thing about friends not having skin in the game when they come approach me to invest in a business. Think about it. So you can get those, but they're usually not for startups unless you're operating in the same industry and you bring some unique talents or you have a contract already in place. They can finance those contracts if they're with credit worthy customers. And so, I, I wouldn't rule it out, but I wouldn't count on it. It would probably a, apply in 20 to 30% of the startups out there. And so, I mentioned it, It's a great way, I think. If you're thinking venture capital, this episode's not for you. Venture capital really sounds like the most risky, right? Venture. Well, it's really for later stage, believe it or not. They have a time frame in which they want to turn around their money, And same thing with private equity. And we have an episode on private equity and venture capital and you're welcome to look at those and try to understand them in greater detail. But to start a business, probably both of those don't fit the bill, but angel investors do. And I'm hoping to have an episode on angel investing. However, be prepared to make sure you understand your business really well and that you have unique products or unique services and that you have intellectual property, patents, trademarks, and copyrights surrounding those if you're gonna use an angel investor. They're gonna wanna know that they're protected, that somebody else isn't gonna copy you or that you're not copying someone else. I think it's one of the first rules of investment for angel investors. You know, I told you I would save it for the end, and here it is, the most common way Businesses are funded in the startup stage as they're self-funded. That could mean friends or family, but usually through some kind of savings or borrowing from your retirement plan. Not that I recommend it, borrowing from your retirement plan, but I do recommend investing in yourself. If you have the emotional support, if you have the vision, you have the passion, you have something unique that will solve the problems of your potential customers and do it in a unique and valuable way, then you're on your way to success. And why shouldn't you invest in yourself? Why not take the risk? But be willing to forego. If you're w- looking to draw that big salary day one, that's not gonna happen. you know. And then as you can look back and say, of all the ways I can invest in the business, be careful. Be careful because the way you choose will determine your financial future for many years to come. If you take on a partner, you're gonna have a partnership for a long time. And partnerships, and I have an episode about partnerships, they're great when they work and they're, they're very difficult, one of the worst things when they don't. And so make sure you have alignment with your partners and spell out specifically what happens when and how do you deal up, divvy up the prop, profits when you have them. The other thing to be careful about is if you take a hard money loan, meaning high interest rate, short term, be prepared, you may not be able to pay that back and what are the consequences? Usually you've given collateral and there's no time to repay them, they take the collateral. So beware. it will affect you the way you choose to start your business. As optimistic as you can be, it's nice to have those hopes. But there's nothing, in my opinion, like investing in yourselves. I've mentioned to th- this to you today already, but the best investments that I like to make are when the people I'm investing in in their business have also put something on the table, that they've put some skin in the game, that they've invested in themselves as well. I realize that's it's not always possible to get all the capital needed to start a business just from yourself. And so I still think it's possible to start small and to grow. And so you need to be careful how much you project you need. But look at investing in yourself, and be careful who you align yourself with. You know, as I started this podcast, I gave you a quote, money is a tool, and that's all it is. It's only a tool. It will take you where you wish, but it won't replace you as the driver. You're the driving force in your business. You're the key investment. You have to be all in personally not just financially, but be all in. And when you're all in, you can jump on that path to small business success. I think it's really important. Others will sense your passion. They'll be willing to join in. Your customers will get excited. They'll buy your product or service. They'll give you good reviews if you're all in. Think of a problem that you have and how much you'll pay. Again, if someone can solve it for you, then go out and solve somebody else's problem. Then you're on the path to success. You want to be the recipient of the satisfaction of happy customers who use your product or services and you deliver them in a way that's exceptional and good quality. Again, the secret is to invest in yourself with your money, but to also have yourself invested in the business. This is Craig Willett, the Biz Sherpa. Thanks for joining me today. sure to go to our website to access the resources related to this episode at www.bizsherpa.co. If you enjoyed this show, tell your friends about us and be sure to rate our podcast. Craig would like to hear from you, so share your thoughts in the Facebook community at bizsherpa.co. Follow us on Twitter at bizsherpa underscore co and on Instagram at bizsherpa.co.